it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Wednesday, June 1st, 2016. Changing it up just a little bit today. Although we're dealing with one topic, this is not a light episode. tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down and stop and open up your Bible and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to, you know, open up the Bible and compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed, that's what they are, apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curriculum we need to be studying instead of the Word of God, yeah, instead of... And to see if what they're saying squares with what God's Word says when you put it back in context, or if they're generally teaching uh, for shameful gain the things they ought not to teach by twisting God's Word and stuff. Now, for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, this is not our light episode. This is a short week because of the Memorial Day holiday. So I'm moving things around. Tomorrow, I, it, we will uh, we will be with Jeremy Rohde as he gets close to concluding uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. But today, uh, I invited uh, onto the program Amy Spreeman of the Berean Examiner and uh, Steve Kozar of the Messed Up Church and the curator of the Museum of Idolatry. And we had a roundtable discussion. Yeah, a roundtable discussion on the New Apostolic Reformation, kind of this uh, restoration of apostles movement that's going on. And uh, we came up with uh, what we consider, you know, the six signs that your pastor or church has bought into uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, whether they could say the name C. Peter Wagner or not. That's kind of the idea of what we're uh, doing today. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and we will get right into it. Uh, here is my roundtable discussion with Amy Spreeman and Steve Kozar on the New Apostolic Reformation. Here we go. All right, on the line via Skype, I've got uh, Amy Spreeman and uh, Stephen Kozar. It's kind of a, a pirate gang, if you would. Uh, what, <laughs> I, it's the first time we've tried this, uh, you know, all three of us together. You know, the, we're the usual suspects when it comes to piratechristian.com. Uh, Arch, matey. Yeah, a- Amy Spreeman, uh, who uh, has her blog up there on the, you know, uh, the Berean Examiner. And, uh, and uh, of course, Steve Kozar, the uh, curator of the Museum of Idolatry, and uh, invited them both on today to talk about uh, the New Apostolic Reformation. And uh, we've put together uh, kind of six things to look for. How, how do I know if my church or my pastor is buying into the New Apostolic Reformation and this so-called renewal of apostles on the earth and what, what that's all about? Um, Thanks, guys, for coming on, and um, we'll kind of we'll, we'll start off our conversation today. Um, 
uh, the six points that we have, point number one is uh, the, the claim that there are new apostles on the earth today and uh, that these uh, super apostles, some of them are super apostles, are, are equal to the original apostles of the New Testament, specifically the 12 that are mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. Amy, lead us off and you know, kind of talking about this, these, these claims. Well, it's interesting because I don't see in Scripture where there are apostles today, but uh, we're seeing people who are self-appointed, aren't we? I mean, they're, they're uh, folks that are well-known, and uh, they are either given a mantle or someone has placed hands on them and, and has uh, anointed them as an apostle. And so what does this mean? Well, it means that they have an authority to do something. And, and this is where it gets kind of dicey because uh, what is it that they are going to do? Uh, we're going to talk about that and how uh, you know they want to bring a very different kingdom to this earth. And it, it's, it's strange. Have you been seeing... Uh, some interesting news developments lately. I think we all have, and and uh, the conferences out there uh, that are, are bringing these apostles together. Uh, it, it's very interesting. We're, we're living in a time where people don't know what to make of it. Right. Um, I, I think about the Christianity Today article where um, you know, with regarding Bethel Church and Bill Johnson, where yeah. Bill Johnson literally is trying to distance himself from the New Apostolic Reformation. And uh, while back on Fighting for the Faith, played audio of uh, the um, the commissioning, the apostolic commissioning of uh, Todd Bentley uh, during the time of the Lakeland Revival. And C. Peter Wagner was the guy presiding over that. And he literally acknowledged that there were three apostles present for the apostolic commissioning of, uh, of Todd Bentley, one of the apostles being Bill Johnson himself. Um, right. Yeah, and Shay on, and I forget who the other guy was. Uh, but, I think it was. I think it was Rick Joyner. Was it Rick Joyner? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. He was. He was right there on stage, so it may have been somebody else. But if it wasn't Rick Joyner, it was. He was. He was very closely associated. Right. The charismatic day of infamy. Yeah, it, uh, yes. I think we keep pointing that out over and over again. If these truly are God's apostles on earth, how could they get it so horribly wrong? How could they be 100 percent absolutely wrong? In that situation where they all got together, they were all so proud of themselves for all somehow scheduling their schedules in such a way that this miraculous occurrence could happen, that all of them could be in the same place at the same time to officially christen Todd Bentley and to declare and decree over him that this was a new era. This was a new time where all these great things would happen. And within a month, it was over. It was a train wreck. It was an absolute train wreck. And and that that. In that article I wrote, the charismatic day of infamy, I was, I was so furious because I I just kept thinking and writing this article, and even now as I think about it, these men have proven themselves not to be apostles. They've actually proven themselves to not be apostles. They have done everything possible to say to the world, "Don't trust us." Yeah. And Bill Johnson does believe that apostles and the other station that that he's got going on, the the prophets of today, um, has to govern the church. And there's a a very interesting uh, screen cap that somebody took of his, um, you know, his mission statement under the About Our Mission tab. Uh, It says, we embrace the biblical government of apostles, prophets, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it says... Uh, a glorious bride. Christ is returning for a glorious, overcoming bride, his church. 
we are sons and daughters of the king more than sinners saved by grace. More than, wow. So he says, we aim to fulfill the great commission and steward revival to the next generation. We embrace the biblical government of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So a little twisting going on there. Right, yeah. In fact, Go ahead, Steve. It's the Let It Rain movement. He just he's he's totally just re uh, what's it relabeling, remarketing the Let It Rain movement from the nineteen forties. Yeah. And none of them want to admit that. They they don't even want to talk about it. That's in fact, in all of this, I would say their possibly their number one tool is to just avoid talking about things and pretend they don't exist. They're just like politicians. When a politician does something really bad, they just don't address the issue and hope that people eventually give up. Right. Stop talking about it. Right. That's what we will not do. That's what pirates will not do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No guts. No glory. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's talk about the biblical uh, twisting that's going on there. By the way, um, oftentimes, you know, and th- what they do, you read C. Peter Wagner's book on on apostles today, and uh, you know, they basically are making the claim that they are standing on the biblical government that is uh, supposedly revealed in Ephesians chapter 4. They, uh, they, they refer to it as the fivefold ministry. And let me read the text, and I'll show you what's wrong with it. Um, here, I'll start at, um, at verse 10, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, and uh, read some context here so you can kind of see what's going on. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he, that's Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, so the idea here is is that their, their claim is, well, look, there in verse 13, it talks about until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and mature manhood. Well, the body of Christ hasn't attained this status yet. Therefore, the church needs all of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry until we attain that status. That's how they'll argue it. And what they do acknowledge, and see Peter Wagner quite openly acknowledges that apostles haven't been present on the earth since about the, he he puts it like you know 100 you know 200 years after after the uh, the original 12 and then the 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 apostolic office goes dormant until uh until 2001 there's a, you know God has restored uh apostles on the earth is what he's claiming but here's yeah, he, in fact Go he ahead. says approximately, approximately 2001, just, yeah. to, just to kind of cover his butt, because it might be a little bit before that. It might have been a little bit after that. I think it'd be a little more obvious if, the, if something like the biblical apostles actually appeared on earth. They wouldn't have to fudge on the actual numbers as to when it happened. Right. But anyway, I'm sorry. And, and the issue <laughs> is, is that apparently there was kind of a false start on the relaunching of, uh, of the apostolic office with the shepherding movement. And, uh, and, you know, what went completely screwy with that. But here's the issue, is that Scripture says this, the same epistle, Ephesians chapter 2, though, talks about the church, you know, the household of God, verses 19 and 20, is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone. So here's the idea. 
is that uh, when we look at Ephesians 4 and the so-called fivefold ministry, although it does mention apostles and it does mention prophets, in Ephesians 2 it already talks about the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The household of God is built on them. How many times do you lay a foundation? You lay it once. And uh, what's fascinating here is is that there there is that there's a this error that they're committing, and here's what I mean by that: is that for instance, the church has always confessed that the church is apostolic. I would point people to the Nicene Creed. We you know we believe in one holy Catholic small c universal is what that means one holy Catholic mm-hmm. and apostolic church. The church has always acknowledged that the church is apostolic, which begs the question then. What does it mean when it says the church is apostolic? A- answer to the question, very simply. You would look at Acts chapter 2 for you know, an example of what it means for the church to be apostolic. And in Acts chapter 2, we see that the, uh, the first converts in Christianity, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching and mm-hmm. to the breaking of bread and the fellowship and the prayers. An apostolic church is a church that teaches the apostolic doctrine. In other words, think of it this way. We do have apostles today. The church has always had apostles, and those apostles are Paul and Peter and John and James and the writers of the New Testament. The apostles still are speaking through the living word of God, the written Hmm. word. So we're not without apostles and we're not without prophets. We still have the prophets today. They are Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and Malachi and Hosea. Even Moses is in scripture is said to be a prophet. So the church still has apostles and prophets today. They are doing their work now through the living word of God in scripture. So we've always, the church has always been apostolic and because that's the foundation, we don't need that relayed. And uh, I would point people to the end of the book, you know, go to the very end of the book and uh, it talks about the 12 names of the apostles on the foundation of the New Jerusalem. It doesn't have, and Rick Joyner's name will not be there, you know, is not going to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> neither will see Peter Wagner. So already we got a problem, and that is is that the claims regarding apostles today is built on a misreading and total misapplication uh-huh. of, of Scripture itself. Boy, and and I'm thinking about how the uh, the red letter Christians, the the Christians that always refer to Jesus and downplay the scriptures of the New Testament as if you know the apostles aren't really important. What's important is Jesus. What's bizarre about that is if it weren't for the apostles, we wouldn't have any information about Jesus at all because Jesus didn't write anything. He left that to the apostles. Right. In fact, so, uh, Jesus said of the apostles, the one who hears them hears Jesus, and the one who right. hears Jesus hears the Father. So there's a hierarchy of sending. And that, and that, by the way, that's what the Greek word apostle means. Apostolos means a sent one. It's an envoy, mm-hmm. an emissary. The one who hears Jesus' apostles, the one he sent, hears him. And so, yeah. you know, and then, they, and by proxy, they end up hearing the Father as well, because Jesus' message is the same as the Father's, and it's the same message as the apostles themselves. So, well, and here's here's where it can really get dicey for people who don't know Scripture, who don't, you know, who the, if your church doesn't study it, um, these apostles very often claim 
uh, direct revelation from God. And, and right. many say that um, Jesus and angels visit them you know, as if that's even possible in person, face to face. Some of them say that they have visited heaven. And so, you know, and then have had conversations with Jesus uh, as prophets and apostles. And so, uh, you know, this is where kind of the ooh, ah, we cannot, you know, mess with these guys because mm-hmm. they've seen Jesus. They speak for him. Yep. Uh, if you don't know scripture, you're going to get really messed up. Yep. And they they all do that. Every single one of them bases their authority not on their uh, their application of God's word. They base it on their personal storytelling mm-hmm. and how God told them this and God told them that, yeah. which is no di- – I've been saying this for a while now. Uh, wh- why do we think the Mormons are in error? Because if if the New Apostolic Reformation teachings are true, we almost have to allow – how Mormons to come into the fold because they heard from God, just like Rick Joyner heard from God, just like Bill uh, Johnson claims that he gets downloads from God. They're constantly downgrading Scripture, and they're always placing all of their emphasis on what God told me personally, so now you have to listen to me. It's, right. it's, it's so dangerous. Yeah. In fact, I would even go a little farther. Um, if we do not submit ourselves to what God is saying to these modern-day prophets and apostles, if God is really speaking through to and through them, we're in error. We're, we're sinning by refusing to submit to what God is saying right now. In fact, let me read a quote from C. Peter Wagner's book, Apostles Today. And here's what he says about apostles and prophets today. He says, Whereas every believer can and should hear directly from the Holy Spirit, it is only the apostles in proper relation to prophets who hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Parents hear what the Spirit is saying to their families. CEOs hear what the Spirit is saying to their businesses. Teachers hear what the Spirit is teaching in their classes. Pastors hear what the Spirit is saying in their church, singular. But apostles along with prophets, are those who hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, plural. And so he, you know, this claim of direct revelation is, is that there's apparently a hierarchy of revelation. God is speaking to different people about different things. But if you're an apostle and a prophet, well, then you're getting fresh revelation about what God is saying to the churches, plural. And those churches who are not um, under the apostolic covering of uh, of their local uh, uh, apostle is not getting in on that information that God wants the churches to know, and is uh, they're clearly sinning. Yeah, or or um, when people talk about if this is the end times, we need God to give us new information so that we can somehow navigate through these times, which is another way of saying Scripture is insufficient. Yeah, but but that's always a big part of. Uh, the the reasoning you know well why why do we need to have new revelation because we're we're close to the end times and we need to know what to do and that's mm-hmm. why we got prophets so and so to give us special new instructions and of course there's a thousand different prophets and apostles with a thousand different different set of instructions so actually it adds nothing but chaos right. if we just stuck to God's word it would be so much more clear well, and, and here's the thing, too. Many of them receive these visions and dreams. Um, and even, you know, there are, there are female prophets and prophetesses as well giving these words. And um, they're all based on emotionalism, you know, and you can't – it's very, very hard to – argue with somebody about an experience or a dream that they say that they had. And uh, so a lot of this plays to our emotions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I can't compare your dream to scripture. Uh, You know, I can, but 
but I mean, it's your dream. It must have really happened. So it's very tricky because um, this this uh, denigration of the Bible and sola scriptura. Uh, this is this is kind of the key. Is you know, scripture no longer now is sufficient, and that sufficiency of scripture. You know, they may say, well, I believe the the Bible is inerrant. Um, yeah, but is it sufficient? Because if you have to go outside of scripture uh, to have these visions and dreams, uh, what is that telling your followers? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And, um, oh man. And, and this is all, I mean, it just leads to c- complete chaos, as you've pointed out. But the, the whole point that they're making in one of their arguments is, you know, kind of the idea that since the, the job of the church is to take dominion, this is, this yeah. deals with their eschatology. The job of the church is to take communion, uh, dominion over the earth. And, uh, the way that is achieved is through the conquering of the seven mountains. Uh, you know, of influence in the world. We can talk about that in a little bit, too. Um, they are arguing that the church hasn't yet completed its dominion mandate. And in order to do that, we need generals, you know, just like any army, mm-hmm. you know, any army needs leadership. You know, that's what why God is restoring the apostles. This is what they're claiming is to give us generals for the battle of taking dominion over the earth as the as the church is supposedly uh, supposed to be doing. So, that's why God is restoring these generals now, these apostles. And if you're not on board, then you can't be part of what it is that God's doing, you know, and in, in advancing the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the war language is really prominent. Uh, if anybody really wants to get scared, like uh, if if you're a fan of horror movies, uh, just read some of Rick Joyner's books because it's it's so creepy. Um, a couple of years ago, I. I told my wife uh, all this. I was learning about Rick Joyner, and I was reading uh, websites that had quotes from um, the Final Quest. And she kept saying, "Well, you know, you should read the book. You should read the actual book." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "I don't want to get that book. I don't want to touch that book." But she said, "But, but no one's gonna, um, you know, take you seriously if you were just reading quotes from the book from somebody's website." So I said, "Fine, order the book, but get a used copy because I don't want that guy to get one penny of mine." <laughs> so. She got the book, and she could not get past the second chapter. It was so creepy and satanic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I just pulled up an article here I wrote a while back called False Teaching About False Teaching from Rick Joyner. And this is from a book he wrote called A Prophetic Vision for the 21st Century. Um, who will know if the word is being rightly divided? The one who wrote the book. Doesn't that leave a lot of room for subjectivity? Yes, it does, and that is dangerous, but it is far more dangerous not to allow for subjectivity in the discernment of truth. Subjectivity is essential. The Lord must be our personal Savior, our personal Lord, and truth must be personal if we are really going to know it. For this reason, the Bible was meant to be relatively subjective in its interpretation. This was not to promote private interpretations, but to require each of us to be seekers of the Lord and His truth ourselves. So, uh, the Bible won't teach you what you need to know if you just read it cognitively. If you just reason it out and you talk to your pastor and you maybe use a commentary or two and you maybe learn a little bit about the Greek or the Hebrew, none of that is any good. What you've got to do is you've got to somehow have this very personal, emotional encounter with God so he'll tell you the true meaning of what those verses say. Yeah. And, of course, everybody's got a different version of what the true meaning is because it's totally subjective. And what, what, what Joyner is trying to say is that if everybody somehow does this mystical thing, and it really is mysticism, it's actually very close to Gnosticism, 
If everybody has these personal, intimate, touchy-feely moments where they maybe read a passage or two and then close their eyes and wait for God to give his download, then we'll all be on the same page. And, and actually, he's kind of right, because what happens is all these people who do that, and Rick Joyner himself is becoming a leader of a movement that it has unity and that it opposes historical Orthodox Christianity. So, Yeah, yeah no, it does. It's very creepy. Yep. Yeah, you, you call it mysticism. I would say it's sorcery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Witchcraft. Yep. Now, real quick, talking about, you know, you know, talking about submitting now to this, you know, these people who are literally hostile to orthodox biblical Christianity and Christian doctrine. Bill Hammond, uh, who's one of the leaders of the movement, in his book Apostles, Prophets, and the Coming Moves of God. Colon, mm-hmm. God's end time plans for his church and, the, and planet Earth, which I think is a good primer on, uh, on NAR uh, doctrine and, and their ideas regarding apostles. Uh, he literally talks about the sinfulness of not submitting to, um, to God's apostles. Uh, here's what he says. He says, it's almost impossible for individuals to humble themselves under God without humbling themselves in submission and relationship to Christ's delegated representatives of him to his church, referring Damn. to apostles. And uh, w- when I read that in his book, I literally got on the Internet and started doing some hunting you know, I, I, mm-hmm. to find out, well, who, who's the apostle I'm supposed to submit myself in, you know, and my authority to here in North Dakota? You know? And um, I couldn't get quite a straight answer, um, but I did find an apostolic network that um, told me that there is a female apostle in the Devil's Lake area and that she would be the closest one to me that I probably should be submitting myself and my church under her, apost- cl- under her apostolic. That was a close one. Yeah. And I'm her- so happy for you that you found that leader that right. you could submit yourself to, Chris. Right. Good and for in, you. In, and uh, <laughs> in the converse, although the guy wasn't 100% sure that this was the person that I should be submitting myself to, he strongly suggested that she might be. I basically said, well, considering the name of the town where she lives, Devil's yeah. Lake, um, <laughs> I think that's pretty appropriate and uh, that's okay. I, I'm not going to do that. But anyway <laughs> – Wow. Well, I found this uh, this quote by C. Peter Wagner uh, talking about dominionism. He says, our goal in a word is transformation. So that's a huge word, transformation. He says, the first stage of this goal is personal transformation because each saint uh, must be prepared to do his or her part in the process of taking dominion. He says, our assignment is to uh, help as many people as possible move their primary focus from self or church to kingdom, which leads us to the second stage of the goal of transformation, namely corporate or social transformation. We want to see whole cities and regions and states and nations uh, transformed to support the values of the kingdom of God. Yep. All right, we're going to pause right there, pay some bills. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break, we come back some more of today's. In fact, I think the balance of, of our roundtable discussion on the six signs that your uh, church may have fallen for the new apostolic reformation. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. 
You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> So the new pastor came in and shut down the Sunday school, uh, canceled the adult Bible study, no. dumped the hymnals, oh, sacked the choir, and put damn. in a praise band and started preaching sermons that sound like they could be preached or done on Dr. Phil's program. It's awful. I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody expects the purpose-driven inquisition. Our chief weapon is purpose. Purpose and vision. Vision and purpose are two weapons. Our purpose and vision. And ruthless relevance are three weapons. Our purpose, vision, and ruthless relevance in an almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren are four weapons. Now, amongst our weaponry are such elements as purpose, vision. I'll I'll come in again. I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Nobody expects a purpose-driven inquisition. Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as purpose, vision, ruthless relevance, and almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren and nice Hawaiian shirts. Oh, damn. I can't say it. You'll have to say it. Uh, what? You'll have to say what the bit about our chief weapons are. Uh, I, I couldn't do that. <clears throat> I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition. Uh, nobody, uh, expects, uh, expects, no, nobody expects the, um, purpose driven inquisition. Uh, I, I know, I know. Nobody expects the purpose driven inquisition. In fact, those who our do, chief ex- weapons are. our chief weapons are, um, purpose. Uh, uh, vision. Okay. And- okay. Stop, stop that. Stop that. Uh, our chief weapons are purpose. Blah, 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 blah. Youth pastor Rick. Read the charges. Dude, you're like hereby charged with being divisive and not following our program. That's enough! Now, how do you plead? Well, we're, we're innocent. innocent. Ha! 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 We'll soon change your mind about that! This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. 
Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think the New Apostolic Reformation is a dangerous movement teaching false doctrine with false apostles. That's because what that's what it is. Uh, just a reminder: Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. You can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute, well, an amount that you pick. That's right. You get to choose your rank in our crew. We have four ranks, and the lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95. Master Gunner at forty nine ninety five and quartermaster at ninety nine ninety five a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way, folks. It it really helps give us a f- solid financial footing that we can depend on month after month after month as we pay our bills, budget, and try to grow uh, what it is that we do here at Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Of course, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're going to get back to um, our roundtable discussion with uh, Amy Spreeman of the Berean Examiner, Steve Kozar of the Messed Up Church Blog, and the curator of the Museum of Idolatry as we are discussing the six signs that your uh, church or pastor has fallen for or is participating in the New Apostolic Reformation. Just a reminder before we get to that, by the way, um, I will be out of town for two weeks starting on Monday. So don't panic, don't panic, I... Just need a little bit of vacation. <laughs> what it comes down to, I whew, have to recharge my pirate batteries is what it's going to be. So uh, I think Steve and Amy, I think they're thinking about while I'm gone, they uh, they have the ability to post stuff on my uh, Facebook and stuff like that. They think they're going to pick out like 
you know, programs for fighting for the faith that uh, from our archives uh, to re- <laughs> recommend f- to people that they listen to it uh, while uh, while I'm away. So just want to let you know. All right. So here's the balance of our roundtable conversation on the NAR. Here we go. That that sounds good. It's just a it's just a kind of a quick flyover. You know, of course, we would like to see the kingdom expand. Of course, we would like to see more people know God as their savior. Of course, we would. That's if if you're looking at this as a as a lifelong Christian, it's hard to see the the weirdness of that right away because we tend to give people the benefit of the doubt when they mm-hmm. say things like that. But as you think about it, you got to go. Well, the only way you can actually see a, a, a town, a city, a nation be taken over, quote unquote, is if every single person is explained the gospel. Somebody has to preach the gospel to them. And that's there's this unbelievably bizarre gap in their teaching that says, you know, back in the old days, we used to have to preach and, you know, go through this difficult process of telling people they were sinners and how they need to repent of their sins and that God, you know, he's he's angry at their sin, but Jesus paid the penalty. And if they will, you know, take that for themselves, blah, 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 however you want to explain it, they say, now we can take over entire regions but they never actually tell you how that occurs. It doesn't even make sense. It it just sounds good. Like, right. wow, yeah, we'd like to take over an entire uh, city for God. It sounds good. But they, well, then who's doing the actual gospel preaching in order for that to take place? Nobody is. Right. They're doing a bunch of they're doing a bunch of weird stuff that doesn't even work. It's been going on for decades now. I'd like to I'd like to see the results. You know, how many times have they gone to a city and done one of their prayer walks or or, or they they figured out who the demonic entity was that controlled that city and now they've called him down and they've done their kind of voodoo rituals and it's the same city it was you know 10 years later they still have crime they still have drugs they still have unbelief everywhere you look it's not working no it's not if you look at the united states as a whole it's clearly not working which kind of not then leads all. to point 2 of uh, of how do i know if my church or pastor is caught up in the New Apostolic Reformation, and that is they're talking about dominionism, or they make a distinction between the gospel of salvation versus the gospel of the kingdom. That's yeah. and, and that's what their their big dichotomy is. It's like, well, yeah, the, when you talk about repentance and the forgiveness of sins, that's the gospel of salvation. But we, we, you know, we got we're focusing in on the gospel of the kingdom, which is bringing heaven to earth. And right. a, a clear sign that they're doing that is their misuse of the Lord's Prayer, where the Lord says, uh, when we pray, as it, you know, you know, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, that's the gospel of the kingdom. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're, we're, we're bringing that about by taking dominion. And their strategy for this is uh, is the taking over of the seven mountains of influence, you know, like the mountain of government, the mountain of uh, of business and finance, the the mountain of arts and entertainment, and the, you know, there's other mountains that are, you know, that you know. I, every time I hear that language, I keep thinking to the book of Revelation and 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 the seven mountains of the seven hills, uh, you know, that the dragon and the whore and the beast are all caught up in. I'm thinking this has got to be the same thing. And when you hear people talk like this, it, there ought to be a, a red flag that goes up. Yep. I was interviewing a, a woman one time and 
um, you know, great. She's focuses on uh, politics and the culture. And she said, and, and this just stopped me in my tracks. Uh, she said that every pastor ought to be looking out over his congregation and thinking to himself, who can I place in government? Who who can I get to uh, be Christ's representative uh, in the Senate or or in you know the governor's house? And it it scared me because that's not the mission of the church. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are a few people here and there who have the ability to do that, and they could actually become a government leader. But to actually plant that idea in everybody's heads that we've got to somehow take over, it actually is a burden. Ultimately, it says to ordinary Christians, the focus is not on Christ and him crucified for our sins. The focus is on what are you going to do? What are you doing now? What, what are you doing it to, uh, to take over? It, it, it sounds kind of cool for a while, but after you realize that I'm not doing a very good job of taking over, my life is full of problems and issues, uh, it, it becomes a terrible burden. And I, I, I'm absolutely certain that there are a lot of people who have actually left the faith because they look at this whole thing, they're like, I, I don't know what they're talking about anymore. It sounded good 10 years ago, yeah. and nothing has changed. We haven't taken over anything. In fact, the church had a split. The pastor left because he had an affair. You know, I, my kids aren't following the Lord anymore. I'm looking around at this, this uh, wreckage everywhere. And they think that if that was Christianity, I, I don't want to have any part of it. Yeah. yeah, and there's definitely a monetary uh, thing to all of this, where where churches are, uh, you know, trying to raise extra money to do the city building, or uh, you know, to uh, you know, go out in communities and organize prayer walks, uh, pray against d- demonic strongholds, or taking over. Maybe they've picked a country, Haiti, or something like that, and uh, it, it costs a boatload of money for people to be able to contribute to keep these programs going, doesn't it? Oh yeah, hmm. oh yeah. And, but then you know, then the question is are, what is what is the real impact that they're having because you know Christ has told us to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing and teaching all that he's commanded a discipleship is not high on their list but decreeing mm-hmm. and declaring and taking authority and and getting involved in uh, in deliverance and inner healing ministries and taking authority over demonic strongholds and stuff like that that's where they spend their time but not in discipling and right. Well, oh my! Now you're on one of my hot buttons, Chris, because <laughs> um, the idea that the the church has been ineffective up to this point because all they do is have their little church services, they read their Bibles, and they explain the gospel over and over and over again. They tell people about their sin and their need to repent, and that just ain't working. So what we've got to do is show the love of God. Not by explaining the gospel, because, I don't know, God coming to earth in the form of a man and dying on the cross for our sins isn't very loving, apparently, or it's no. not enough. So what we got to do is we got to do um, one-on-one miracles. We've got to, you know, make one leg the uh, correct length so that they're even. Or we have to, you know, eliminate somebody's back pain. Um, and it's so offensive. It Again, it sounds good on the surface if you don't really think about it. Yeah, who who wouldn't want to be able to heal someone else in the name right, of Jesus? Right. And occasionally that actually happens. People actually are healed in the name of Jesus. Thank God for that. But God is sovereign. And who are we to say, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to declare and decree and I'm going to start healing people? And of course, it doesn't work most of the time. Yep. And in fact, and when it does work most of the time, it's psychosomatic. Yep. Yeah. People are convinced they're convinced that they were healed because they want to be convinced that they're healed. And 24 hours later, that back pain is there again. Right. Um, and, I, and, and I would also point out that, that part of the messaging that goes along with this is that they say that it's absolutely necessary 
that mm-hmm. there be miraculous signs and wonders that accompany the preaching of the gospel because without them how you know that the, the gospel's not going to be effective as a message apparently and so what this ends up basically telling people is like unless you're a miracle worker don't go and evangelize people because you can, you have to demonstrate the power of the kingdom with uh, signs and wonders otherwise it's not really a preaching of of the of the gospel of the kingdom it's so dumb it's so incredibly dumb you know jesus said no sign will be given jesus wants us to believe he doesn't want us to say uh hey jesus uh i'm considering deciding to raise my hand and accept you as my personal Lord and Savior, but I'm just not quite convinced yet. Your scriptures aren't good enough. Your death on the cross isn't good enough. How about if you take care of that nasty tennis elbow I've got? You do that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on board. Right. It's, it's really pathetic. And the other part is that they totally ignore, and it, 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 one of the things I talk about is putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, <laughs> um, you know, they totally ignore the preaching of the apostles, which we actually have accounts of. We have sermons and evangel- mm-hmm. evangelistic sermons by the Apostle Paul uh, in the book of Acts. And the miracle that Paul points people to regarding the veracity of his claims regarding Jesus is the bodily resurrection of Christ and the mm-hmm. fulfilling of prophecies. And so the you know and yes it's true that early on in Paul's ministry there were signs and wonders that accompanied the preaching of the gospel but in his preaching the miracle that Paul was pointing people to was the resurrection not that yes. he was able to you know you know blow his nose on a hanky or you know have his shadow uh you know heal somebody or something like that instead it was it was the miracle of miracles and that is the resurrection of Christ and by mm-hmm. telling people that it's absolutely required that there be signs and wonders like legs, leg lengthenings or words of knowledge, which really is the way this is playing out in the uh, NAR is, is more like psychic cold readings the way they do it. Is. it. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, that these are the signs and wonders that must accompany the preaching of the gospel. Otherwise, that your, your gospel is powerless, is nonsense, because the miracle that the apostles always pointed to was the resurrection of Christ. And so... Um, you know, it, this is this is the type of lie that it effectively silences people in telling people about Jesus and the mm-hmm. forgiveness of sins, and makes it so that the only people talking about Jesus are the ones who are supposedly able to operate in these so-called signs and wonders. But really, what they're engaging in are just parlor tricks. It's, it, I mean, it the, the amazing Randy could debunk this stuff in you know in thirty seconds flat. It's that bad. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I can remember, oh man, uh, taking uh, some friends, taking our kids to go see a, a prophet who had a psychic ability. And the first time or two that I went to see him, he really does somehow have some way to kind of read your mind. It's exactly the same thing that a psychic does. And I was thinking, wow, I'm convinced now. I, I thought at first this guy is a cornball, but uh, I got on board. He would come to town every so often, and we would go see him. And I noticed that the groups would kind of come and go, the people who were listening to him. There wasn't this great outpouring of conversions because of his psychic abilities. It was actually the opposite. And all the time that he spent 
doing this, there was little or no gospel preaching being done. And even when the gospel preaching is being done, in other words, if you actually ask people to repent of their sins and, and you, don't, you actually explain that, it always gets overshadowed. Yes. That's that's just not that cool anymore when you can Thanks. stand in line and wait for this guy to, to speak some kind of a word over you. And it makes you dependent upon him. And then yeah. you really don't listen to God's word anymore because it's not as exciting because it's not so personal. So you wanna, you're want to you always waiting for the guy to come back to town uh, you know, two months from now. And then maybe you'll bring your friend so that he can be convinced that God is real. Not because of the, the resurrected Christ— who reveals himself in God's word. No, you're con- you're going to convince your friend that God is true because he's going to go see this, for lack of a better word, they literally are a Christian psychic. They yeah. usually don't like to use that language, but that's, that's exactly what they're doing. And so the proof becomes the miraculous, so-called miraculous things that some guy is doing. And honestly, it was really hard to admit that the only explanation is that it's demonic. If, if it's actually working, if there's actually a people somehow reading someone else's mind or telling them things that you know they couldn't possibly know in their own human strength, yeah. well, then it's demonic because God is not in the business of fortune telling. And that's exactly what it is. And I know there's people who are listening right now, and it's clicking for them because yeah. I, I needed somebody to tell that same thing to me. Look, you have that in the back of your mind. You know there's something a little fishy about this, but you like it. That's why you're getting sucked in. Yeah. And you know there's something a little fishy about it, but you keep pushing that back. Don't push it back anymore. Yeah. Let it right. come to the front. Compare it to God's Word, and it'll become very clear, very fast, that this is not of God anymore. You'll you'll see that very clearly. You just have to open your mind a little bit to that possibility and stop going with that that warm, fuzzy feeling thing that— it's actually our, our, our sensual human nature, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And the warm, fuzzy feeling thing is uh, essential to many, many uh, women's ministries in churches today. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they may not think that they're part of any kind of a movement like this, uh, but once you start uh, trying to hear from God because Beth Moore says you ought to be hearing from God because she hears from God, well, then you open yourself up to all sorts of funny business because, you know, you can you can uh, take your, your colored, fuzzy, sparkly pens and open up a beautiful little booklet that you bought at the store, you know, one of those uh, prayer journals, and you can just uh, relax with your cup of tea, play some soft music, go into a trance, and just wait for God to speak to you. Kind of being like Jesus calling, you know, uh-huh. Arthur Sarah yeah. Young did that mm-hmm. you know and her jesus spoke to her every single day unfortunately women believe that that's the wrong jesus it's playing on our emotions mm-hmm. and i i hate to say this out you know i don't want to broad brush women's ministries because there's some great ones out there but a lot of this stuff the the nar stuff the word of faith stuff the hocus mm-hmm. pocus comes in through women's ministries and i, I just want to ask where are the men trying to look over what you know what these women are, are bringing in uh, a lot of times and i've seen this myself a lot of times men are absent and the women are just like well th- you know this is a good book to bring in let, let's do these prayer walks let's let's listen for god let, let's do all of these things and uh, and somehow it filters in through families into other ministries Pretty soon, your whole church is infected. Mm-hmm. That's right. so true, Amy. I, I, that that prophet guy I was just talking about. Most of the people in his meetings were women, and they yeah. would go over and over again. And if they were really lucky, eventually they would convince their husband to come. And then, of course, he would point them out and say, "Come up here. I've got a word for you." And you know, there there would be this temporary conversion that the mm-hmm. men would have. But it was all very. Um, 
very temporary. It, yeah. it wasn't based on God's word. And I, you know, I would, I would say, I would say it even more strongly than what you just said, Amy. Where are the men? And I was one of the men. I was one of the men who didn't fulfill my role as the father and leader of my family as much as I should have. And I allowed things to enter into our family. And I went to, I brought our kids to church services that I shouldn't have because I didn't do my homework. And I'm very, very uh, sad about it now. I've repented of it. I know I'm forgiven, but I will spend the rest of my life encouraging others not to do what I did. Or or more like I, I will spend the rest of my life convincing others to do the things that I'm doing now, which is to really get into the Word, really study God's Word, understand the different types of theology, and, and it, it really makes a difference. Because Theology, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of people saying, well, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Bible thumper. I don't want to be a legalist. You know, Jesus is called the Word of God. That should tell you something. Jesus and the Word of God are are inseparable. So if you want to get close to Jesus, that's why we have the Word of God. All right, I gotta, I'm going to make a quick point, and then we're going to move on to the next okay. uh, next in our list. Otherwise, we're not going to get through all of these. But <laughs> the great, great contributions, guys. This is great comments. Um, all right, so I would point people to the fact that Scripture points us to Jesus. All of these so-called direct revelations that people are getting, they point us to ourselves. It's as if basically saying, listen, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I want to hear, I want God to tell me about me. And which, uh-huh. which is kind of fascinating, which kind of leads to our next point, and that is, is that 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 uh, your your church is heading in this direction, if or part of it, if there's you know talks about manifestations of glory and anointing in order to do signs and wonders, so that you can receive direct revelation from God to achieve and and figure out what your dream destiny thingy is, and um, this is kind of a. Um, a spin-off of the purpose-driven life, but if you kind of think about it in in light of their their big idea that the that the church is all about taking over the world, taking dominion of the world, then you have a role to play. God has a destiny for you to play in this great advancing of the kingdom and the taking over the world, and that's mm-hmm. really why it's so important that you hear directly from God so that you can learn what your dream destiny thingy is so that you can be busy about fulfilling that dream destiny thingy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds funny, dream destiny, but once you start looking into the just the huge numbers of pastors and churches and ministries talking about God's dream and, uh, you know, put in, putting a destiny in your heart, uh, it's it's incredible. It's like this infection that is mm-hmm. has spread. And I just I, I know Steve, you've written about this, um, and Chris, you've covered it on your show. But dream destiny. I, I just wrote something, just some research that I did uh, with uh, you know I I call it dream destiny infection spreading, um, it, and it's amazing because once you recognize the symptoms of it, uh, it it's. You compare it to Scripture, and nowhere in Scripture do we find a mention of a dream that God supernaturally gives us, uh, or right. any command from Christ that we're supposed to follow a dream that He gave us. Yep. Uh, and, and when you, when you posted that on your Facebook, Chris, uh, there were p- some people who were arguing about that, saying, "Wait a second, uh, God did give people dreams, so um, you know, don't don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak." And so, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> difficult topic because. Uh, if you are uh, in a in a place where you come from a a, a really maybe a kind of lower class blue collar poverty situation, 
it's true that in order for you to get out of that and to have a better life for you and your family, you do need to think differently about, you know, how to how to live. And part of that might be my dream is to go to college and and become a, a doctor, or or my dream is to own my own business. That's one way of thinking about it, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's but that's not what this is. And they nope. they're always the, the the two things are being blended together in such a way that you can't really separate them. And that's of course what deception always does. It takes something that's true and it uses the language of that and then it adds something that's actually false and overlaps the two so that you can't tell which one is which. Right. And the issue there is is that it, this is actually a false doctrine regarding Christian sanctification. Um, you know, the question is now, you know, now that I have been baptized, forgiven, washed, and am a regenerate believer in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm trying to cover all of the bases when we talk about justification, right? Now, the question is, how then do I walk and live as a Christian? What does it mean? to? How do I conduct my life? Well, Scripture is clear on this, that we conduct our lives as Christians now in vocation, loving and serving our neighbor in the different vocations that God has put us into, as as uh, husband, wife, father, mother, child, employer, employee, you know, loving and serving our neighbors in the vocations that God has put us into. So, you know, we are called to be good husbands, to be godly husbands, godly wives, uh, godly children, godly employers and employees. That's really kind of ha- where the rubber meets the road as far as our good works. But when you when you hear this doctrine of the dream destiny thingy, all of that is talked about as if it's an impediment to the thing that God really wants you to do. God, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, and God's hands are tied, too. Yeah. God, get, God is yeah. trying to do something in the earth, but until you figure out your dream destiny thingy, he's, he's going, come on, buddy, would you just get with the program? I planted that dream in your heart, and I can't take over the world yet. Would you help me out here? Exactly. It, yeah, see, God's so trying pathetic. to take over the world, but you're too busy changing diapers. You know, it's, it's and so what ends up happening is is their doctrine of the dream destiny thingy literally despises what Scripture teaches are the good works that we are to be doing as Christians, and mm-hmm. and it teaches us to set those aside as if somehow they are insignificant and God cares nothing about those things. They are getting in the way, and instead you need to find a way to to free yourself from all of that so that you can go and. And uh, you know, have a life of significance and influence, and take over mm-hmm. this se- this mountain of the seven mountains, kind of thing. And that's really where the problem is. Yeah, and it's a burden. It it sounds good for a while, but after you you don't achieve your dream destiny thingy like the pastor told you would, you know, uh, it it becomes this. And it, the the sermons always end up either being about you, you've got this dream destiny thing, God's planted it in your heart. So, you know, get excited about this thing that's right around the corner. And then all the other sermons are, hey, uh, we know you didn't get that thing we told you about last time, but we, um, we're going to encourage you to keep dreaming because, you know, hey, if God planted it, who, who are you to, to go against it? But right. God didn't you're plant gonna it. You're going to be disobedient if you go against yes. it. Yes. <laughs> and so you, you're just you're, you're following all these mystical breadcrumbs. You know, well, I remember, you know, 13 years ago, I had that idea, and it hasn't come to pass yet, but that's because Satan is really busy trying to stop me from achieving, achieving my dreams, and it, it, it actually wears people out like crazy. In fact, I remember uh, two, three years ago talking to my wife about this, because we were coming out of this large charismatic church, and she was just so relieved. Like, 
ah, I can just be myself. You know, I can, I can, wow. I, I can make a difference in the in the friendships and relationships that I have. But yep. you know, I don't have to go and I don't have to go on a speaking tour. I don't have to write books. You know, there's a few people who can do that, and that's great. But most people need to be encouraged in their ordinary lives, and they need to be told that the real emphasis is on what Christ did for us, not what we're supposed to do for Him. And it actually becomes, a, and this is another one of the things, um, when I'm trying to categorize what, how would you know if it's a New Apostolic Reformation type of church, the emphasis will always be on the thing that hasn't happened yet. It's in the future, yeah. and you're always getting worked up about something, but you're never going back and pointing to Christ's uh, you know, death and resurrection and the payment of sins. That's that's right. only mentioned as an aside, and it's actually really blasphemous to treat it that way. But you never notice that because you're so busy being excited about the new thing that's coming. Oh, there's a move of God. Do you feel it? Yeah. I, there's a yeah. I, God's doing a fresh thing. There's a shaking like coming. Saying, yeah. That that's such yeah. an insult to God. Again, you what? God coming to Earth in the form of man. Dying on the cross for our sins wasn't fresh enough. We got a, it got moldy or something. So now we need something new. Well, you know, and one of the things that, especially with with women um, that I work with, um, it's interesting. I, I wish I could just warn them of one thing, and that is to stay away from the most dangerous place for a Christian in the whole world: the Christian bookstore. Get get yes. away from those bookstores yeah. because you know, lining. I mean, you got the end cap kiosks of Joel Steen and uh, Robert Morris, who wrote that book, "From Dream to Destiny." You know, and and dream destinies are all over the place. If you just go there for research and uh, try not to get sucked in, you'll see all sorts of demonic things and different gospels facing you the minute you walk in the door. Yep. And usually, you know, not not broad brushing all bookstores, but where are the Bibles? Well, they're way in the back, you know, in that boring right. section. That, you know, no a, color to them. There's a little section somewhere on theology that that's just really sad and lonely looking because nobody visits it. Well, that's where the Pharisees go. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> self righteous. Yeah. Hey, and you know, um, Zondervan and uh, Thomas Nelson are both owned by um, what's the big giant book publisher? Um, Oh. Simon Schuster? No, I think it was. That's another. It's that was. That's a, there's a new conglomerate. It's owned by Rupert Murdoch, the yeah. same guy who yeah. owns the Wall Street Journal and Fox News and a million other companies. It's a gigantic, unbelievably large uh, media conglomerate that's taken over the largest of the Christian book publishing. Which doesn't mean that every book is bad. I I, I know there's some great books on those on those. Um, in, in the publisher's catalog. But for the most sure. part, if you think because it's in a bookstore and it's got a shiny cover and I've actually heard of this guy, so it must be okay. You, you're really setting yourself up for delusion for, for right. You're, you're actually, you're operating under a delusion. Right. Well, and, and I, Thomas Nelson publisher, you know, they, they publish the whole um, multi-million dollar franchise of Jesus calling. Right. You know, when it was pointed out a few years ago that Jesus calling is based on the, the heretical new age book, God calling, they mm-hmm. went in and republished it, you know, did mm-hmm. another edition of it, completely whitewashed all of the evidence, uh, you know, and, and Sarah Young on page 11 and in, in the original manuscript said, you know, I got, I got my ideas, uh, you know, from God calling and I, I was hoping that Jesus would talk to me the same way he talked to those two uh, ladies who wrote God Calling. Well, that's all gone now. Uh, so Thomas Nelson, I believe, knows exactly what it's doing. And this is this is all about making money. It right, is. Exactly. it really is. Yeah, they they the the truth tr- sound doctrine doesn't sell multi millions of dollars worth of books. False right. doctrine and scratching itching ears. Well, that does. And you know the fact that you know these these Christian book publishers 
are owned by pagan companies you know, that are all about the bottom line basically tells you they're not going you know, they're not going to execute any kind of doctrinal restraint if something's really hot they're going to they're going to jump in on it and uh, make a lot of money you know need i point out the fact that uh, you know the all of the uh, heavenly tourism books you know the millions that they've made off of them and one of these kids who claimed to have that experience of going to heaven ended up basically saying no i wasn't telling the truth i mean you know and but that never and it, and it's it took them 6 months or more before they finally pulled the books off the shelves cuz they were still making money on them yep Yep. So. That was really, that was so, uh, that was a very dark moment in the history of evangelical publishing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's a, it's a dark moment in evangelicalism. The fact that so That's many people true. who are Christians have an appetite for this false doctrine is really the problem. That's what's yeah. driving this, you know? So, all right, let's, let's move on to the next point. And the next point is uh, this idea that, um, you know, that they really have an eschatology where things are going to get better and better. And Amy, at the beginning of the program, you were reading from that screen cap uh, where they were yeah. talking about the bride of Christ, you know, being, you know, making herself clean and pure, which is part of, you know, a, a main part of the NAR uh, doctrine, which goes all the way back to the uh, the latter rain movement. But it's mm-hmm. it's it, it kind of flips everything on its head, whereas Scripture specifically and it clearly teaches that in the last days it's going to be a time of deception, that there will be a falling away, that there will be a great apostasy. They deny all of that and basically are, are prophesying and talking about how there's going to be this great end times harvest and revival that's you know just around the corner, you know the greatest revival of all time, because what they believe is is that things are going to get better and better as the church takes more and more dominion to the point where the bride of Christ now makes herself worthy of Christ's return by finally fulfilling her her mandate, and then yeah. once the bride of Christ has done that you know her part, Jesus shows up and says, "Oh, I love you, and it's the great marriage feast of the lamb, and congratulations, great job, I'm now king." And uh, and that's how that that all works out. I, I'm I'm exhausted just hearing you describe <laughs> that, you know, uh, and and that's the life of many Christians who are in this movement. They don't want to admit it, but they're exhausted by all this stuff, and they know it's not happening. They've been doing it for ten or twenty years, and nothing nothing's getting better. N- the miracles aren't happening, and uh, they feel guilty for thinking that. Uh, l- let me just tell you, uh, dear listener, it's not your fault. It's bad doctrine. Give it up, you know. Yeah. Have freedom, Christ. Take the, take the burden off. That Jesus is not the one giving you that burden. You know, it's it's interesting that the uh, the number of great big gigantuan stadium revivals is growing. Uh, you see these busloads of young people, and that's the sad thing. You know, young people who uh, go by the busloads, their churches are taking them to you know Washington D.C. or Phoenix or wherever it is, and uh, you know that they're seeing these signs and wonders. They're they're being kind of put into a trance by this this music that they're listening to, and then they're seeing you know these great calls to glory and to get get on board, kind of encompassing everything we see here and they don't even know that they're part of this movement that's just uh-huh. sucking them in so you know we, we just had the Asusa now um, debacle that we had the call Greg Laurie's thing uh, with Lou Engel and all those guys and uh, you know there's there's another one uh, coming up in July I believe uh, next month together 2016 um, there's an article that uh, uh, posted on Berean Examiner about that 
you know, it, it's all about bringing all of these people together in the name of, you know, uniting as one and, and having this great awakening. Um, and, and I see, you know, when you look at scripture, and Chris, you've talked about this so many times, it's more of a falling away that's, that's supposed mm-hmm. to happen. Right. And this is part of it. This is it. Yeah, yeah. No, it many, really is. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Oh, now you're quoting Jesus from that old Revelation. Yeah. That's, that's from one of those crusty, cracked leather Bibles, isn't it? For false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Yeah. If that doesn't scare you as a Christian, and not in a, in a bad way, but just kind of scare you back to God's word, to, to say to yourself, I don't want to be part of that. And if it's possible that, that I'm actually one of those elect that's in danger of being misled, that should drive you back to God's word. Not to a giant stadium. And you can't manipulate people if they're staying home with their Bibles. you got to get them out of their home, separate them from their Bible, bring them to a stadium where you can use the the power of a a very good rock band with emotional music. And then every preacher up there is more emotional than the guy before him, you know? and you've got leaders of entire, I guess, denominations, if you will, or, or movements. You've got um, the Southern Baptist Conventions, Ronnie Floyd and George Wood of the uh, AOG getting together and encouraging all of their people to go to these things. Um, and they're both involved in uh, Together 2016. And I have a question for you guys because I, I didn't quite understand the social media quote. Maybe you can put some insight into this. Uh, the hashtag Jesus changes everything uh, really is appealing to the young people. And it says this on their website, quote, our generation needs a reset, a swelling of hope, a unifying moment when we come together and ask Jesus to restore us to our original design. And I'm just wondering what that means, restore us to our original design. What do you suppose they're thinking of there? (laughs) Well, I can tell you what I'm thinking of, but they're not thinking (laughs) of it. it, uh, uh, We do get reset to the original design when Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead and calls us out of our grave in the general resurrection from the grave. You know, we are raised to new life. Uh, you know, if we, we're not going to be spirits forever. We actually get a new body. Um, it, but that's not what they're referring to. Um, it, 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 this, there's kind of the, – that's the other thing. In the NAR, there's this idea that somehow there's this, this, this generation that's coming up that will – just naturally operate in the supernatural, naturally be able to perform signs and wonders. They will know of the new no, breed. The new breed, right? I think that's what that yeah, may be referring breed. to. That's what it sounds like to me, too. And it sounds really good, you know? Who, who wants to go to a crusty old church with some old people? Right. Actually, I. I love going to church with old people. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm I've so... seen you though, Kozar. You're you're gonna you're joining their ranks rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not cool anymore, Steve. You you don't I'm... do that rock band thing with the skinny jeans. <laughs> Although you do play a mean uh, guitar and harmonica, yep. so just I, yes. I I play my guitar at home. I I don't play it at church. It's a wonderful thing. I love the organ. I love the hymns. Me too. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. No. All right. No, <laughs> that's a good tangent though. All right, next point. Okay, so so they've got this denial of the falling away, you know, and this thing that you know the great harvest end time. I mean, it's a, a complete opposite of what Scripture says about the last time. But in order to kind of pull this off, and we've we've you know made mention of it, they're really into unity for the sake of unity. Um, 
anybody who talks about sound biblical doctrine is immediately branded a Pharisee um, or somebody who's religious. Um, and um, and so you know, the established institutional churches, you know, denominations, those are always the bad guys. Those are always the ones mm-hmm. who are getting in the way of what the Spirit really wants to do. And so we got to break free of that and join some kind of free-floating movement that is driven by networks, and the networks have apostles over them. And so, you know, in order for this unity to happen, we've just got to stop caring at all about the the category of false doctrine regarding to, and true doctrine, heresy versus orthodoxy. That's all got to go, and uh-huh. we just got to unite for the sake of unity. And I find it fascinating, like at the uh, Azusa Now. There was, you know, there was visible displays of unity with Roman Catholics, and yes. which is absolutely bizarre if you think about this. Is that you know, and and is that the NAR and the Roman Catholic Church they really seem to be loving each other and looking for opportunities to show everybody how united they are. Yes, and it's crazy because. Um... The Roman Catholic Church, in in many ways, is so much more close to the to the truth, only because they have one pope, which of course we disagree with. The NAR has a pope in every town, in, in multiple popes in in some towns. If you know, you go to Los Angeles or New York, there's a lot of people who are basically like a pope. They yeah. have this authority that the Catholic Church only gives to one man. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, the it's, NAR is the Pope Puri factory, so. Yeah, sorry, you know, um, sorry, yeah. going going back to the um, kind of connecting two things here. If I can get my mind straight after that, uh, all the stuff we've been talking about um, the the end times thing. Uh, you part part of what's being taught is that you have to do signs and wonders in order to convince people that God is real because the Bible's not good enough. And the other thing is, if we have enough unity then this presence, capital P, presence will come. And I was, I was experiencing this at that last big church we were at, yep. and I was in the church for um, a period of time knowing that this teaching was very off-base, but I just kept going because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to build relationships with people, and I, I eventually uh, had a talk with the, uh, the music pastor, who we were really close, and he basically said, yeah, yeah, you're right. There, a lot of this stuff is... Is pretty weird. I, I agree. I don't like the Christian fortune telling. I don't like a lot of the things that you're bringing up. You actually know more than me, Steve. You know, you, you're you're a valuable person to have here. But we got to have the spirit. We got to have the spirit. In other words, if all you have is the Bible, you're not going to have the spirit. And uh, that was that was very disheartening. But the idea of unity doing a particular thing that's related to the end times is a very clear teaching in a new Apostolic Reformation Church. Uh, going back to that same uh, music pastor, I sat down with him and I said, do you know what the New Apostolic Reformation is? And he said, yeah, I've heard of it. I'm not really sure. I said, well, we're a part of it. And <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of churches are, I'm sure, like the one that I was attending. There's a mixture of things going on. Our, the, the pastor that we had who lives in the same town with me to this day, he's a very nice guy. I have nothing personal against him whatsoever. He actually does preach the gospel sometimes. He preaches it pretty clearly. He talks about repentance. He talks about our sin. He talks about the atonement. 
But then he brings in Rick Joyner's stuff. He brings in Bill Johnson's stuff. And he's actually the guy in the city of Madison who has uh, been coordinating this uh, monthly gathering of churches for the exclusive purpose of bringing God's presence. Yeah. And, and it, God's presence can only come if we have enough unity in in worship. So there's basically a monthly worship service. And I played guitar for these things. And all you do is you sing worship songs and people get worked up. And actually, it's it's a lot of fun as a guitar player because, man, when I hit those solos, you can really get people worked up. But <laughs> after a while, I had to I had to admit to myself, I'm doing the same thing that the Allman Brothers d- does, only I just don't do it nearly as good because music is intrinsically emotional. Yeah. So you're... You're creating a false Holy Spirit, and you're getting people all worked up about feeling something, and they start to go, yeah, that was the Holy Spirit. Wow, he's really here. I know he's here. How do you know? Because the, the Word of God is being taught? No. I know he's here because I felt him. You felt him, yep. And yeah. no one can argue with your experience. And that's why I think this this um, it, it's really leading to a lot of church growth, even though it's part of the falling away, I think. Um, it, it, <laughs> direct competition for Rick Warren's purpose-driven world, uh, I mean, you're seeing these these NAR churches pop up in Africa and Asia and Latin America, yeah. and I, I think it's because there's these international um, organizations, growth organizations. There's one called ICAL, International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders, yep. that has a huge network, and then there's another one that... Um, uh, Bill Johnson has called the Global Legacy Network, and uh, that's a scary one in itself. It's a revival network, and if you uh, look around in there, uh, the purpose that you, you can watch their videos, and, and ju- it's all right there. It's all out mm-hmm. there. For mm-hmm. Anyone can research this, um, and it's not, you know, all, here, here's a video excerpt uh, quote that I wrote about one time. Uh, it says, it's not all about uh, roads uh, flowing back to Bethel. It's about a flow out of Bethel Church that enables each one of you to be successful. It's about revivalists everywhere. We have many people who are connected to us, who are doctors and business leaders working in the spheres of media and government. And, and so the, those statements are very, very concerning because mm-hmm. it, it's not something that um, you can you can fight I don't think if you know the truth and you go to your pastor and you say, are, are we part of this? They may say no, but mm-hmm. I, I think what we're hearing is a lot of very familiar language yeah. and a lot of familiar handholding that, that's very concerning. Now, well, that's one of, one of the things that we're going to hopefully accomplish, and, and this, is, this conversation is kind of a start to that, is we want to come up with a, a set of criteria that regardless of whatever name they might be using at the moment— the, the actual beliefs are the same. And there's yeah. the, there's a slight shift uh, emphasizing one over the other. But those core beliefs, that cluster of beliefs, is what is the problem. It's right. not the name. Because Bill Johnson has already proven that they're going to start distancing themselves from the name New Apostolic Reformation because it's kind of uh, wore out its welcome. And that's what they right. did with the Latter Rain Movement. The yeah. Latter Rain Movement was actually condemned very quickly by the Assemblies of God, and it went underground. The teachings didn't go away. They just resurfaced under different names later. Yeah. And uh, this kind of, you know, I wanted to open up a, a little kind of a side note in the uh, in the in what we're talking about here. And that is, is that some people are going to be hearing this and saying, you know, uh, it sounds to me like this is, you know, some of the teachings I'm hearing at my evangelical, non-charismatic, seeker-driven church, mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. these are a lot of the same ideas. And I would I would argue that the purpose-driven movement and the seeker-driven movement 
are part of the NAR, but not officially in that in that sense. But doctrinally, they they are actually participating in kind of the same ideas. You know, the dream right. destiny thingy is your purpose, and then unity for the sake of unity. I would think about the seeker driven churches that are you know even now you know you know engaging in talking about Islam as part of the kingdom and their teaching of the kingdom yeah. circles and things like that. What I find fascinating is is that. Even the seeker-driven movement, although it, it it would never they would never even read anything by Peter Wagner or um, uh, Rick Joyner, they are in a very bizarre set of circumstances teaching the same doctrines, and right. it's it's going to create the same result if you if you know what I mean. And that's the nature yeah. of deception. That that's the thing that's so tricky about the NAR is that it. It's not official. There isn't an official creed that you have to sign and put your name on a list. So they can always say, well, we're not one of those guys. Yeah, we so don't have apostles, but yet some of the same thing, you know, and I asked a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, how does progressive Christianity play a role in this? Because it does, you yep. know, it's this conglomeration of, you could be charismatic or progressive, you might not have a, a charismatic bone in your body, and yet still this is infecting uh, your church. And, and so mm-hmm. uh, even if you've never even heard of NAR or, or your pastor says, well, we're not part of that, we don't, you know, uh, we know that's crazy, but yet they're doing these same things. Well, and, and the emphasis from a uh, more progressive or a liberal Christian viewpoint, would they would say the focus of Christianity is not the forgiveness of sins. The, the mm-hmm. kingdom of God is the real focus, yep. and that w- and what they turn that into is basically doing good works and, and making a difference in the world and providing, you know, uh, good things, uh, ending uh, sex slavery, uh, digging water wells. All those things are good things that Christians should do and have done for all of Christian history. But that's not the focal point, right? And if as soon as you make it the focal point, nobody's actually repenting. Of their sins anymore because you're not bringing it up. Yep. And so there, there's this the similarity is in that vague idea that we have to go out and do good works, whether that means digging wells or it means helping somebody um, with their one leg being too short. The end result is you're not preaching the gospel. You're giving them some good thing that you think is actually building the kingdom. And once they get that good thing, now they're going to become part of the kingdom almost through osmosis. Yeah. You know, it's just going to just going to sort of happen. But the Bible makes it so clear that we have to actually speak the words of the gospel. We have to explain. We have to preach. And and, and once you actually know what the gospel is, it's really not that hard. I think the difficulty is not in explaining it um, with accuracy, it's knowing that people don't like it sometimes, and they will reject it, and they will reject you. So it's much easier to be part of a movement that just does good things for people all day long, because nobody's really against that. If you said, my church does a lot of good things, we have a food pantry, you know, we help uh, uh, single women, uh, there's a lot of good things that churches are doing, and that brings people in. Yep. But it doesn't, it doesn't actually give them the actual gospel. Right. That's what's getting lost. Right. It's it's kind of that old adage uh, in uh, I, I kind of updated. It's the fatherhood or now motherhood of God, the brotherhood and sisterhood of man and you know all in the uh, in the neighborhood of Boston, you know. It's it, it this isn't the gospel, you know. And what I find fascinating is is that the NAR, the purpose-driven seeker-driven movement and even the, you know, the red letter social justice uh progressive liberals they're really all on the same page doing and believing pretty much the same core ideas but with different spins on it based upon mm-hmm. on their demographics. That's very true. I mean, one of the things that uh, 
that I have a tendency to do, and uh, some of the other discernment guys, we just want to keep drilling deeper and deeper to get to the root of these things and try to find out who said what and who was influenced by who, you know, which book led to the next book, what movement started first and influenced the next movement. All of that is important to an extent, but for the layman out there, they need to have just a core of beliefs that keep popping up. Yeah. And as long as they, it's kind of like that whole thing about um, when you work at a bank, they teach you to handle money yep. so that you'll know counterfeit money. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. It's I, a great analogy, but keep, and keep this in mind too. We have to know the real thing, but doesn't a bank manager send an alert to his tellers to say, you know what, there's some funny money going on in, yep. in the Madison area, huh. and I, I need you guys to be on special alert. And I think that's a, a key thing because, mm-hmm. uh, yes, we do need to know the original, and, and we need to be knowing that every single day because we can get tricked by uh, very clever, crafty counterfeits that are out there, uh, and people are being tricked every day. Um, we need to know what those you know, schemes of the enemy actually are. Right. Hey, Chris, can you can you read back the the points? Just one sentence points, okay. and then we'll continue, so right. we don't lose. Oh. Yeah, and then we'll get on the on to the last one here. Um, so, our you, your church is part of the NAR, even if you know, even if they're, they're not even charismatic. I think it you know, kind of be a good way to put it. You're, you're hitting some of these major points. Uh, but it's true at NAR if you have apostles today. And I would say in the seeker-driven world, these, these would be your vision-casting leaders. They are yeah, very, they, very similar. Very similar. And yeah, in fact, uh, 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 P- Peter Wagner is very clear about the fact that apostles have the authority to cast vision, which which you know basically makes all the seeker-driven megachurch vision-casting leaders into apostles functionally, hmm. if not by title. Um, this the, the idea of uh, the gospel of the kin- uh, kingdom by taking dominion over the world and the earth to bring heaven to earth, uh, conquering the seven mountains or the kingdom now. That's mm-hmm. that's another manifestations of glory and anointing to do signs and wonders and receive direct revelation in order to achieve your dream destiny thingy, or you can say your God-given purpose. Um, and a complete flipping of uh, end times eschatology rather than belief in a falling away and an apostasy of deceivers, instead of a belief in a great end times harvest and revival and and a taking over the world. Um, uh, a unity for the sake of unity, um, it, it's strongly anti-doctrinal uh, and a focus on unifying, and this will then bring the presence of God. Um, and then you got to get rid of the old institutions of the church so that you can uh, join this free-flowing movement of the Spirit. And that, that then leads us to our last point, and that is, is that ultimately Scripture is insufficient, which is why mm-hmm. that we need the other things. Um, um, and, and really, it's, it, it's, it's either a denial of the sufficiency of Scripture or the authority of Scripture so that you can tap into whatever it is that the Spirit is doing now. Yeah. And it's so compelling when you put them all together like that, Chris, it is a, it's a frightening thing because we, and I say that in Christendom are falling for a very different 
gospel about what the kingdom is doing now, yep. um, rather than the fact that God's already built the kingdom and it's coming. But we want the kingdom here on earth now. So instead of spreading the gospel, we're out there spreading uh, unity messages and uh, leadership messages about shifting our paradigms and things like that, uh, signs and wonders. You know, it, it's as if God's breathed out word just isn't good enough for us. It's mm-hmm. Jesus's sacrificial death for our sins. Nope, not good enough. We're not preaching the gospel of the cross anymore. We're preaching a new thing. And uh, that's something that I think every single Christian who can hear this program should really take to heart and pray about. Because if it's not happening in your church, then it's happening in your, your parents' church or your friend's church. It's just so huge. Yeah. And the, and the more um, closely aligned they are with the, with the New Apostolic Reformation, the more influenced they are, the more likely it is that you will have no effect on the pastor. You'll, you will as lovingly as you can, and you need to do this. I did it. I confronted my pastor and it went absolutely nowhere. And he was happy as could be the day I left. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they don't want to have a conversation about what the Bible actually says. They want you out of there. And uh, so if you're listening to this program and you're struggling with this, you know, you have friends there, you've gone there for 20 years, you, you love the people there. I'm sorry, but you need to stop going there. Yeah. Do what you can and hit the road and find a Bible-believing church. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. This just kills me. My wife brings this up all the time. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Boy, that's some pretty divisive language right there. As we have said before, so I say it again now. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. That's the Bible. Do you believe it or not? Most people say they believe the Bible. Everybody says they believe the Bible, and yet they're following men who do that very thing. They're teaching a distorted gospel, or they're not even teaching the gospel at all. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many people have told me, well, I was planted in that church. God must have put me there for a reason, so maybe right. I can be the light and, and bring truth into these situations. No, I'm sorry. The Bible tells you to get out, you know, to come out of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not to abide under leadership that's teaching a different gospel, no matter how much you want to change something. And uh, Steve, you said it. I, I was in your shoes as well. You know, many of us have had to leave uh, churches after you know asking and and um, beseeching the pastor and the elders. Please understand. You know, this this is not what Jesus said the church is about. Um, yeah, they're they're happy to see you go. They even though they. Uh, cry about it. They'll, they'll, you know, pat you on the head and send you on your way, but uh, nothing changes. Yeah, I, I, that's that's kind of negative. You're speaking negative. I know. You know I'm speaking. Well, <laughs> let, let, let me pour some more negativity on that. Then, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, as I as I look at the impact that this is having on the visible church and on the world. Um, darkness is getting darker. This isn't working. The world isn't getting better. It's going further and further into into darkness. And the reason for this is simple, is because people are not being brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Pagans Mm -hmm. do not bear the fruit of the Spirit. They can't. And, And this is the reason why the world is getting worse. 
And this is actually – I could not think of a set of beliefs that could more perfectly set the world stage for the man of lawlessness to come into. I mean – Boy, that you're so right, Chris. That was one of the things that really haunted me over the last five years. I kept thinking it looks like everything is – all the pieces are being put into place. It's a giant puzzle being constructed before our eyes. Yeah, and it's and global. It's global. Yep. Things are so much worse in Africa. The new apostolic reformation in America is nothing compared to the deception of the it's largely word of faith movement. Yep. In uh, in Africa, that's that's what really burns me. Yeah, I mean it, it I just I mean just think about this hypothetically, all right? Um the devil incarnate is going to show up pretending to be Jesus, all right? And he's going to be able to perform signs and wonders according to scripture. I mean, bona fide miracles in front of all of the cameras and the whole world's going to see it. This is literally setting the church up to believe the man of lawlessness to be Jesus. Uh-huh. I mean, so, you know, just let's just put this out, you know, five, ten years from now. I mean, this is, you know, all the puzzle pieces come together, all of these, you know, NAR, you know, networks in conglomeration in, in unity with the Roman Catholic Church, the seeker driven movement, and, uh, and red letter Christianity all doing the same thing. Now comes this miracle working guy claiming to be none other than Jesus in human flesh, come to, to reign on the earth. Do you think that they're going to sit there and go, uh-oh, that's the Antichrist? They're going to sit mm-hmm. there and go, no, look, that's Jesus, and they're going right, to fall for it. They've been totally conditioned. Yep. And you know that, that Rick Joyner book, The Final Quest, which isn't a, a new book at all. I think he wrote that around 2000, maybe 1999. He has The whole book is a vision. I don't recommend you read it unless you want to have nightmares. But he had a vision of a, of a civil war taking place uh, amongst Christians in the end times, and the civil war was between blue and gray, and the blues were the spirit-led people, the people who had the Holy Spirit leading them, and the grays were the people that used their mind, the gray matter. Yep. Uh, that's, how, that's how we phrased it. And they were the ones that were always referring to the scriptures, and they weren't being led by the spirit like the blues were. And it's this hideous uh, scenario of of this terrible war amongst Christians, and everything in that book is teaching people not to be a Bible-believing, Bible-following Christian, but to instead be led by these new apostolic leaders and by the visions that they have yeah. and by your own visions and by whatever pops into your head and by miracles, but to, to actually look for the signs and wonders to determine whether or not somebody's of God or not, not the Word of God. It's, it's totally flip-flopped. That was in in uh, the church that we were going to. The senior pastor actually had a new group of elders appointed, and they were all young, which is kind of a weird thing to do when you call somebody an elder and you make sure they're all young. And he uh, he gave every one of them the final quest to read, and he said, "Now some people don't like this book, you know. I'm uh, that's okay, but I think this book is is accurately describing what's going to take place in the end times." And all all these impressionable elders read that book. And uh, that just scared me. It really scared me because how do you how do you talk to people like that? They're being uh, th- th- there's a false foundation being led, and you 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 give them a verse here and a verse there, or a little argument here and a little argument there, and they're they're not even close to listening to you. They've no. they've been totally deluded, and that's another an, another verse. The idea of um, God allowing a delusion. Yeah, to- and and then when once they buy into that. The person who warns them based on what Scripture says, they believe that person is the enemy of God and right. the enemy of the kingdom. 
For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence, so that they will believe what is false, in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. I have a whole series of verses, if anybody hasn't seen it yet, it's called Shocking Stuff You're Not Supposed to Know. Yeah, I'm so great stuff. I, I'm so thrilled because I put I compiled these over a couple of years and I keep sticking it at the end of almost every article, uh, and people keep reading it over and over again because it is the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God to convict people and to bring them to God. He doesn't work by our good arguments, although we need to do that. He doesn't work by our podcast or our blogs. He works through the Word of God ultimately. The Holy Spirit doesn't work just through good argumentation. It's got to be a combination of the Word of God. So we're going to continually direct people to that. Well, and there's some red flag words, some nomenclature that uh, a lot of we've been kind of talking about, but there's a whole list of terminology, you know, that you can kind of uh, listen to it and hear that this has been used by uh, these new apostles in the past, like Dominion, Overcomers, that's a strange one. There's songs about that. Uh, Word faith, spoken word, fivefold ministry, um, you know, the manifestation of the sons of God, Joel's army, Gideon's army, birthing the spirit. I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, we should just put together a huge list of mm-hmm. these. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that your church has gone off the deep end, but these are some th- some terms that we should ask for definitions for so that we can determine, you know, what do you mean when you say, um, you know, this kingdom language or kingdom principles? What do you mean when you say that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then compare that to scripture. And that, that's what we all should be doing. Yep. Very good. Yep. We can, Let's define terms. Uh, one of the most uh, ambiguous terms in the movement is the use of the word prophet or prophetic. Yeah. I've got a I've got a prophetic word for you. Everybody says that, but nobody actually backs up a few steps and actually defines what that means biblically. Because biblically, to to speak prophetically means to speak the words of God, and that always means you're referring back to God's word. It doesn't mean I got this new thing that actually is contrary to God's word. It, it means that you're just speaking God's word. Yeah. So anybody who stands up and reads a scripture passage is actually speaking prophetically. A guy who gets up and says, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, uh, thus saith the Lord. I, I'm beginning to see a shift in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Nope, done. That's not, that's not prophetic. That's a false prophetic. Yep, that's right. All right, so yeah, new apostolic reformation and the renewal of apostles on the earth and the whole dominion agenda, um, and the receiving of the dream destiny thingy and hearing you know the outside God's voice outside of the Word of God, all of these things um, they are taking you away from what God would have you believe, have you teach, have you confess, and the very gospel that we've been given to proclaim, and the uh, the mandate that we have been given, which isn't a dominion mandate, it's a disciple-making mandate. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, all of this other stuff that's now come in within Christianity has taken us off mission and off of topic, off of the gospel itself, and is literally setting the world up for the greatest deception known to humanity— which Jesus prophesied would be coming in the very last days. It's kind of perilous times that we live in, is it not? Yeah, and I, I'm still open to the possibility that God's going to actually do a, a miracle and give us more time. He's done that in the past. 
that would be awesome. We have to be ready for either one and just, you know, trust God and, and not. Um, I think when people really start to get into the end times, uh, kind of the end times movement or the end times discussion, if you go on YouTube and type in end times, you'll go down a bunny trail that's very difficult to get out of. Yeah. And you'll be so focused on the end times. And there's a million different guys saying a million different things who all claim that, you know, they've got the secret new thing that's going to help you get through the end times. The only thing that's going to get you through the end times is just having peace with God through Christ and, and relying on his word and, and not trying to figure it all out. There's yeah. anything we need to know is in God's word and every, anything that happens beyond that, we believe that God is truly sovereign. Yep. And we can yep. just trust him Yep, and have peace. Amen. Well, Steve and Amy, thank you for uh, this great conversation. And uh, I will pray that you know people will find this helpful and useful in uh, identifying not only the problems in their churches, but helping to open the eyes of those who are caught up in churches that are engaging in these false teachings and doctrines. Thank you so much for the work you guys are doing over at piratechristian.com. Amy, for your work at the Berean Examiner, and uh, Steve, for... Your work at at the Museum of Idolatry, I, I always get my good, you know, pound my head through the brick wall kind of thing experience because of some <laughs> of the work that you've been doing lately. But and the messed up church, I've got a lot of the more researchy oh, stuff right. is on the. Yep. Up In fact, I'm going to put a link after you get this show up. I'll put the link to an article. It's not really my article. It's a conglomeration of over 20 articles. It's called the New Apostolic Reformation Cornucopia of false doctrine, dominionism, charismania, and deception. I've got Amy's stuff in there. I've got stuff from Sandy Simpson. I've got stuff from Bob DeWay, Holly Pivick, uh, a lot of good resources, and they're all crammed together in one giant article. Excellent. So we'll post it up. Yeah, so <laughs> just you. look at the additional resources portion of this episode of Fighting for the Faith, and uh, and you can get to Steve's messed up church and uh, all the extra resources there that kind of help you along the way. Another good book is uh, Holly Pivick's book on the New Apostolic Reformation. Fantastic book, kind of laying out uh, the uh, the problems with the movement, what their beliefs are, and how it is uh, contradicted by uh, what Scripture clearly teaches. So, Yeah, that's a good one. I've, I've been reading that myself. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Steve and Amy, thank you again, and uh, Peace to you. We'll be uh, talking again soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. God bless. All right. So what'd you think? Important topic, a lot of things to consider. And uh, we're, we're going to put some resources with this episode of Fighting for the Faith that uh, you can tack on, you know, that you can go and do more research. This is a very, very dangerous false teaching. And it was not hyperbole when I said that this is, this teaching, these ideas, these expectations that they've set up, the and the leadership that they've set up, and the lack of accountability, and the false signs and false wonders, I couldn't think of a more perfect way to set up the world and the church for, you know, literally the devil incarnate. So what did you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ's vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>